Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby. My name is Maura Trasani Rul and on this week's show we'll look back on a largely disappointing weekend for the Irish provinces but we had a glimmer of hope yesterday with Leo Collins' men getting the better of La Rochelle in France. In France. Joining me in studio as always is the lovely Lindsay Peat and we're delighted to be joined by Johnny Murphy this week. How are we doing? Well I'm buzzing. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. I know. Um, I, I, I genuinely am. Uh, I am buzzing since that result because I think we obviously spoke about our premonitions for this week's results, mm-hmm. and mm. I think unfortunately, you know, there was kind of we threw caution to the wind on a couple of of the head to heads, but this was certainly one that stood out for me as both an ex Leinster player, a Leinster fan, and something that has been now. It's the new rivalry of the new era of rugby, you know, and it really reminds me of that old school Leinster Munster. Mm. And I think, you know, if Roger's done anything, he's like he's fed that into the blood of this these Frenchmen. And uh, I think it lived up to the hype. It absolutely did. And we'll start off with that positive note with Leinster getting the better of La Rochelle. They finally have gotten the monkey off their back now, Johnny. Yeah, it was. And to do it in such difficult conditions, um, I was commentating on it yesterday and the conditions were horrific. Um, And before the game, there was this kind of probably anxiety around are the conditions going to suit La Rochelle because of their power and their size? Um, you know they'll play a basic kind of territory kicking game and just keep coming around the corner because that's the thing that's really un- un- undone Leinster over the last kind of two or three meetings was that power and size and they struggled to stop that um, where yesterday uh, they did um, they rode their, lurk, uh, their luck in, in certain areas at times but in general um, it was a really really good performance and executing that try um you know the way they did to close them up and then ra- and then race them to the edge in 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 their twenty two was was excellent um and then the penalty at the end was just phenomenal but it was a it's a real key marker laid down early in the season early in the competition that will just give them a huge amount of mental strength going forward. Absolutely, because that's La Rochelle's first loss in the competition for two and a half years. It was the final against Toulouse uh, three seasons ago. That's the last time La Rochelle have lost. So what will this win do for Leo Cullen and for Leinster <coughs> psychologically? Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up because that, cup- that was the kind of question mark last week when we kind of were like, well, how are they going to Leinster overcome this, like their Achilles heel? for want of a better word they were just this one team who had the number on them and it was always the psychological edge that was brought to them Um, the conditions weren't very uh, conducive to the way Leinster play they like to play open they Mm like to play expansive and they were it's kind of like I was thinking about this in the car on the way in right and it's kind of like a bit dramatic but it's like the bully do you know the bully who finally the the guy who's been bullied puts the bully on the ass, and that's exactly what I think Leinster did yesterday they stood up to the bully and they put them on the ass, and they kind of walked away with a smile on their face and it was a different performance it was a game full it was like a war of attrition they stood up Will Connors was like a dog mm. like yeah. I mean that man went for every ankle that was wearing white socks and he was testament to I think he set the stall out I think we definitely saw a different edge that I hope Nina Barr has has brought to them and I think James Ryan alluded to that in his postmaster interview um, I'm not I'm not going to condone fighting but by God when they stood up and you know Dante got stuck in and then Joe McCarthy and then they all got in and they just didn't take a backward step um, we also saw success from La Rochelle in that little chip behind you know that first line defence in between where the full back covers really put Leinster under pressure over the last two meetings where they where they really put them under pressure we saw a glimpse of it yesterday but the conditions again didn't 
helped him in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, La Rochelle probably actually, which isn't like them, succumbed to a bit of the pressure. Like they probably should have taken points but went for the corner. Um, and Leinster's goal line defence, yeah, they rode their luck. You have to do mm-hmm. it in meetings like that. But I definitely think it's a, a corner turned. And I think it was the icing on the cake was Kieran Farley with the 60 metre kick mm-hmm. was kind of like, we'll show you exactly what we came here to do. Um, and I, I genuinely am buzzing because it was, I wanted to see how they go. I said this last week, I wanted to come up and, and really take it to them and they did. Different yeah, style. Different a completely different style. And as you said, horrible conditions. But La Rochelle, they came at them and they threw everything at Leinster. But Leinster stood up to them, as Lindsay said. And it was important that they were able to get stuck in like that, that they were able for that physical battle. Yeah, and I think also technically they had the edge on them. Um, Ryan Baird in the line out caused all sorts of problems. Uh, and they mixed their defensive uh, line out options up. We had to stay down and, and then go after their mall or to try and stop it at some by getting up and, and, and then they got away with a couple of things James Ryan in the first half grabbing an arm to get an exit just inside their 22 was kind of lucky gets away with it mm-hmm. it's, it's but that really frustrated the um, you know the uh, Larchelle captain who was then in Carly's ear for that period for about two minutes he kept at him there's a break and play and Carly said look sometimes I get things wrong we have to move on and the hooker didn't he then threw a ball over the top he was completely you know he was just concentrating on what had happened and the miss the miss call rather than okay what's important now where are we going we threw a ball over the top and, and Lencer turned the ball over then after that so I think there was a little kind of, um, you know, I think as in they, they struggled with that mental bit, which is unlike them, that mm. pressure. Like it was clear that, that those little moments were really kind of irking them a small bit mm. and, and, and they got at and every break and play, they were, there was a lot of chirp, you know, they were a lot of chirp. They were at the Lencer players, they were at the referee yeah. um, and it kind of, that's pressure related um, whether that's coming from the top or, or, or that I, I don't know but I think their discipline really hurt them towards towards the end of the game um, when they were four points within you know they had opportunities to to get that to get a try that they needed and they just their, their discipline they just kept giving Lancer easy outs yeah, La Rochelle did have chances to win as Johnny said there but Leinster's defence was huge for them like the defense of the mall the defense of the line out and their scramble defense as well they just didn't let La Rochelle get any foothold in when they were in the 22. No and this is the thing uh, with teams and any any teams that I watched over the weekend that weren't successful if you let the opposition get gain line carries and the momentum and we saw that like Bordeaux were sublime against Connacht Mm. in doing that with front football and it gives you a platform Um, and Leinster were the team we know they can do their their pressure from the defensive uh, their line speed was excellent their decision making their tackle completion and they attacked the rook now McCarthy say was you know his offside penalty was was poor um, and when you're doing that when that's your game plan you live on the edge so you have to you have to risk reward you have to live with that um, I do agree with Johnny. I think Leinster for the first time got under La Rochelle's skin. Mm-hmm. They got under their skin and you could see that. And when that happens and you're arguing referees' decisions, then things start to go with you. So that penalty that Will Scantle gave away that uh, Gibson Park played really coolly, like hands down the ball, you could see him coming through. Those decisions, they may, they may not have gotten the last two seasons, but because they stayed on the right side of the referee, just about, um, they were getting those decisions and then we're taking easy three points, whereas before maybe Leinster would have went for the corner and mm. tried to overpower them. So I thought overall the game plan was excellent and to 
keep La Rochelle, who was such an expansive, talented team, um, with you know scoreless as regards no tries was yeah. was just excellent away from home. Mm. Yeah, conditions weren't great, but I believe the atmosphere there was exceptional, and it's never an easy place for any team to go in, into any French team, French territory. So, um, I think they sh they need to build confidence, but. They won't run away themselves. Guy Ringrose said the same. Bath, um, or no, yeah, they're playing Sale, sorry, this weekend, who are another exceptional team. So they have to back that up. So it's a launch pad. 100%. It's something we've seen glimpses of. It's a very different win for Leinster, which is good. You know, I thought their selection merited that. You know, mm -hmm. some of the selection are kind of going, right, Van Fleer's on the bench. But Will Connors comes in, and that's the, that's the man they needed to set their stall out defensively and go after the breakdown, which, again, they never did before. So, yeah, very proud of, of a different... Um, Leinster style of play and win and they won dirty and they probably have been questionable over that over the last mm -hmm. couple of years we saw that with Munster in the semi-final in the URC so let's win let's keep winning dirty if you need to you know <laughs> Will Connors you mentioned him there he had a brilliant 48 minutes mm -hmm. um, and then to have the quality of Josh van der Fleer to come off the bench and he was probably really fired up and the impact that he had when he came on so it's brilliant that they have this quality and that they can play them against each other and maybe that's you know, Nienenbar coming in now and, you know, benching maybe the usual starters, giving other players a chance and bringing that competition and raising the standards again. Yeah, competition is is massively important for anyone at that high level to know that, you know, you can't rest on your laurels at any stage. Um, I think what Leinster did, particularly at the breakdown, was they played Carly really well. He very clear in his communication that if you're over the ball, that's fine, but you have to make an attempt to take it. Um, I think Botti got over the ball maybe twice or three times and he just stayed there. He didn't take it. And Carly was like, no, you're good. You're in a good position. Yeah. Take the ball. Be positive. And, you know, for van der Fleer's last, um, last turnover, it's clear he's in, he's on the ball, yeah. but he rips it with them and there's no penalty. It's play on. Um, I think they adapted to that really, really well. Um, but you look at the riches that they have in that back row and, and how Leo, and it's a credit to what Leo and the environment that he's created, how these guys have stayed around for so long. You know, Will Connors, Max Deegan, they, they've stuck at it and st stayed with Leinster, even though they haven't been first choice. But they're Ireland players. They've been capped, you know, five to ten times. But they're really happy to stay and push and drive the mm -hmm. standards. I think that's a that's a real credit to what Leo's built um there over the last kind of six, seven years has been 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 huge. Um and they're now hopefully gonna reap the rewards for from a Lencer perspective, they're gonna reap the rewards there of that real out and out competition. And maybe Neen Barr is the person to come in that, as you say, has laid down that marker, right? Well, this is the man for that we want and yeah. You know, it's up to you now, Josh, to see. And that's only just one area. I'm sure those conversations are happening all the time. And they backed Harry Byrne uh, to start. We were debating the number 10 selection last week. How do you think he got on? Yeah, he did really well when he came on. Um, he was exceptional in the try, really under pressure, because actually uh, what was key to that was Hugo Keenan's running line. And then obviously um, Jimmy O'Brien, good man yourself, mm -hmm. Jimmy, coming off his wing to, to fill that gap. And that really hard line by Keenan held the the La Rochelle defence and then it was an easy out mm. and what a pass by Jimmy off his left hand out to, to Jordan Armour so there was huge calmness uh, it was calmness per personified they knew their roles they were confident in it um, and, and every player stuck to that so um, 
listen, Harry Byrne, as we said, there's an exceptional talent there. He just hasn't had the good run of games, but I think also tech, tactically, to keep, he, Frawley was going to start on the bench because he can cover so many positions. Whereas if you start Byrne on the bench, he can't come in and cover like wing, uh, you know, centre. I know Ring Rose had to go on the wing when Natoy came on. So there's players that are there adaptable and will do it, but, you know, it probably made sense for Frawley to come on. But, I mean, he's basically had the last say in winning, you know, getting Leinster over the, the line two weeks in a row. And Absolutely. that, to do that off the bench, cold, especially as a kicker, really crap conditions, um, take a bow. You yeah. know, and I know it was a collective, don't get me wrong, but it's those defining moments where there's trust instilled in a player and they can stand up with confidence. And by God, 60 metres right in front of the post, you know, players have missed easier kicks but yeah i just delighted for him because as I said I think he had a raw end of the deal when he was really at his peak the last time with injury and he started the season so confidently and as I said not to start didn't really rock him he came in and he just took over so that's again the testament to Leo Cullen the belief every man is ready to come on um, do their job play their role and, and help get Leinster over the line so I'm excited to see what they can do but it's very early in the season but I set I certainly have a sense of excitement since that uh, the win over the weekend. Frawley came off the bench with the kicking tee practically in his hand yeah. because his first job was mm. to kick over that penalty and cool as ice again he was able to slot it over and it just feels like he has an impact every time that he plays. Yeah, he's a, an ex, a exceptional player. I suppose his versatility is. Um, it's a massive strength, but then also can be a slight weakness in terms of selection because he fits so many slots on the bench. He's always going to probably be involved in the 23, um, where he's going to settle, who knows. Um, and it's one of those things that if you know a player can, can say... Um, you know, I've been there myself where you know you cover 12 out um, you know he covers essentially 10 out because they can move people to to the wing so it's well I, I want to play here okay that's fine but you have to wait for your chance and it, it, it's difficult then to try and get that balance right as a player and within kind of the squad where is the balance on the bench and he just falls into that mm -hmm. but I think how he's performed over the last three to four weeks and as you say just being ready to act instantly shows kind of how mentally strong he is and how confident he is you know there was no no and he had like watching the kick live he had another five to six meters in him like it was it was phenomenal and the minute it left the left his boot left the tee you're like that's gone over what was it 60 meters out? it was right on the 10 meter line yeah. you know he was right on his own 10 meter line and it's it was an incredible nudge and the breeze was with him slightly but it wasn't like a tunnel you know yeah. like it wasn't like a wind tunnel and coming directly behind him um but yeah, it was it, it was it was phenomenal. His performances have been really good, and it's probably he has an opportunity now, um, you know, to really solidify his place, um, within an Ireland squad, uh, for the Six Nations. Given you know these runs of games to um, after Champions Cup to um, two Derby matches, then into more Champions Cup. You know he's certainly going to be in that Ireland Ireland conversation now going forward if he continues to perform that way. Has it put the ten debate to bed when it comes to Leinster now that they have backed Harry? I know Harry Burns probably injured. I don't know what the, he he came off the yeah, bench after be thirty nine minutes. We yeah. I don't know. It'll be following. They're trying to break protocols. I think yeah. he went off for HIV. Yeah. So, uh, 
he he should be fine. Um, it's never easy because it depends on each person with HIA, and obviously you have yeah. to look at the. Um, hopefully we will see him back. I think he did really well for the for the time he was on. He is an out and out ten. I do like the way he plays on the game nine and gets Leinster, you know, good momentum. He's a smart man. So he's another guy who probably needs that. Um, what we've seen from Frawley is that he gets a good run of games. He gets his confidence up. And, and he feet. Absolutely. And he then takes, he demands the 10 jersey. You know, that's what you want to see. That's what competition, you want um, competition to breathe that one in, that everyone is kind of pushing each other. So there's no ceiling. You know, everyone's pushing each other. So I'd like to see him back. I'd like to see him back up that performance this week against Sale, um, especially in a home RDS where the crowd will be rocking. So, yeah, we believe in, in Harry Byrne, you know, and that's, you know, I got my opportunity with Ireland through injuries. And it's when you get the jersey, it's your job to take it and keep it. And that's what his job is now. Has this win put some of the questions that we've had over Leinster over the past few weeks? Has this answered some of the questions that we've had about their performances? Uh, yeah, and I think they're only going to get they're only going to get better. Um, like Neil Barr's only been there maybe two, three weeks actually on site. And we would have put in some like they changed up how they defended kind of short, uh, short line outs with the ten in the in the channel and the um in the hooker channel with nine outside which brings allows them to bring a lot more line speed yesterday people were talking about their aggressive line speed but it was that type of day anyway so the team without the ball was probably the per- mm-hmm. the team that was going to do really well so um, their line speed was probably more aggressive than it ever has been but that was probably conditions led to a certain certain point um, but they're going to get better and better because of who's just arrived and like this is only probably week three of, of his tenure and what he's trying to develop really interestingly last week you know in his first interview he's saying it's not one size fits all in terms of how he delivers his messages or how he coaches teams he has to figure out he said he, what he said was he has to figure out kind of did I did dynamic also player profile and then fit the defensive system around mm-hmm. what is best for that unit um but what a start you know yeah. and it's only um so it's as i said already it's only going to get better yeah that brings fresh impetus you know to players who might have been out of the fringes mm. and i suppose that was probably a shock call if we look at the seven jersey which van der Fleer has owned mm. um since his own kind of turning point where he just took on board that you know he wasn't ball carrying enough he wasn't making game line and he just grew but now hopefully will connors who has another guy who's been just it's just the way he plays he has mm. no kind of care for his body it's all for the jersey uh, but i think that'll be a nice fresh impetus for anybody within that leinster group because the culture is key i think to their success but i think now it's it's now a fresh pair of eyes mm-hmm. i think again to bring the referee and how he refs the game the opposition getting under their skin. I think that's the part I'd like to see how Nina Barr is going to instill them because we've spoken about um, being a cuter over the last couple of weeks and I think that's something that ju- they just need a bit bit more sinister attitude in some of the games where like that they stood up to, to mm-hmm. somebody who's probably been the only team to really bully them and mm. kind of call out their number over the last couple of weeks. So yeah, like Johnny said, it's 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 it, that part alone just... Ha- the Nina Bar effect, you know, mm-hmm. that's exciting to see and how they can he can really elevate what has been a really successful team. Um, and you can't undermine what Lancaster and Cullen have done over the last year. But how do you bring this team to the next level and really get them over the line? Because they need to bring trophies this time around. Well, this win, it wasn't full on revenge for what La Rochelle have done in the last three fixtures, but it has put them in a great position now. They've sailed at home this weekend and they'll be looking at 
getting over the line there and then looking into January, looking at home advantage for the for the court for the quarterfinals round of 16 as well. So it, it puts them in a good position. It puts them in the driving seat, really, in this pool. Yeah, and I think the way the format of the new competition goes, that's you really need to be especially getting starting off on a good foot and definitely winning your home game. So I think they'll go into um, into the new year in a very confident position if they can get a win. But I also think it's important for this performance in La Rochelle. It can't be just a flash in the pan and just that it was just this, you know, once off rivalry, you know, and the result is just, you know, an isolated result. I think now they need to back this up against uh, a very impressive sales team who had their own good win mm-hmm. over the weekend. So mm-hmm. um, that it'll be interesting to see the teams who, who really got over the line this weekend. How can they back it up? And then I think we'll start to now hopefully see the real contenders come to the top. Yeah, Sale are top of the Premiership at the moment. They've been going really well. They beat Stad last weekend. What do you expect from them and what kind of game will we see? Um, they're quite attritional, big, um, big side, similar enough to La Rochelle, but um, you know, th- their head coach is, you know, he's been very clear in terms of Alex, you know, what he, what he's done um, oh, since he's been there over the last kind of 18 months, two years. He's built a team that was kind of consistently nearly men that would have these flash in the pan wins to being a real consistent side. Um, driving standards and he's a real no-nonsense um, individual and that comes across in terms of how he coaches and, and, and how his teams perform. Um, you know, He was one of the cornerstones of what was originally the Saracens Wolfpack. He would have led that. Their defence would be aggressive, uh, off the line, really physical, similar enough to this, this week. Um, and like... People will say, oh, they're, you know, Lance Frank, I'm playing Sale, be fun. It, Sale are a completely different animal yeah. to what they would have been historically now. Um, they're one of the best, if not the best side currently in, in, in England. Um, and for them, it's how they perform at this higher level. There's always, you know, they're always going to be um, uh, top, you know, top two, top three now consistently as they've been there for the last year over uh, over in England. It's how they perform now at the at the higher level is going to be really important. And um, you know, they have you know, their coaching staff have a rich vein of of form with previous clubs in in Europe. So it's something that they'll want to really, really bring forward. So it's it's gonna be a tough uh, tough game this weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out yeah because the premiership sides did really well in round one Saracens were the only side to lose and they were playing in Pretoria against the Bulls mm. so the English teams are flying high there was talk a few years ago that they were in trouble but they really came out fighting this weekend oh like Quinns won away Exeter mm. won by a point Northampton with a really Glasgow um, so no they really stood up and said you know put their hands up and said don't forget us I think the thing about you know back up Johnny like Sale will come to Dublin it, everyone will want to knock Leinster off their perch especially after a lot of talk that's probably you know consumed the headlines now this weekend was Leinster's you know revenge and that final win you know getting over the line mm. against La Rochelle so make no mistake about it Sale will come here uh, probably a bit creaky now in the scrum still mm. over the weekend which would be a concern for me um, line now functioned a lot better than we have it mm. been a good platform against La Rochelle which again was a weak point they targeted that they didn't get as much success at the breakdown but I th- still think Sale will come to target the breakdown, slow down what is really successful quick ball for us. I think they'll definitely target the scrum, scrum which is a great platform. And they will try and, and overpower us with that mm-hmm. arm wrestle and the, their physicality. So six day t- turnaround after one really physical game is not ideal for Leinster. But I don't think other than Harry, we came right away with many injuries, uh, which is good. 
Um, but it, it will be nice to back up the win against a very similar team against La Rochelle. So, as I said, be interesting to see. But there won't be a walkover. Yeah, and I think the thing about the Premiership to remember is that um, it's probably the holistic view where people go, oh, the English sides are in a bit of trouble. Yeah. The top six sides are not in any trouble. They're yeah. good. It's actually the whole the whole game over there is the problem at the moment and you see what's happening with Newcastle and the teams down the bottom they're just creating their separation and it's just um, you know the, the financial issues are are hitting the, the are hitting certain clubs not all of them but the top six sides are and it's a great league it's a war of attrition over there you know the top six really go at each other mm. they play good rugby they're very physical but I think people might be lured into a false sense of confidence yeah. because of what's been written about the Premiership and the RFU and how things are and how are they going to fix the game and there's talk of you know another team not getting paid on time and all of this stuff but I think you have to take the top five top six teams out of that conversation it's the bottom sides that are, are, are struggling and that's just that's the nature of the beast over there but in terms of the revenue that Europe drives to those teams that are in it that's vitally important. So they're going to be out to, to, to really do well in this year's competition. Moving on to Munster, they welcomed Bayon to Thoman Park on Saturday afternoon. There was talk at halftime of a bonus point win, Lindsay, and it finished in a draw, which felt like a defeat for Munster. It did. This is a weird one. Uh, I watched the game um, and they probably are really... Well, I was very impressed with Bayon. I thought, you know, when they settled into the game after the first kind of 10, 15, 20 minutes, they were they were actually exceptional to watch. Mm-hmm. Their rush defence, especially in the midfield. So what kind of struck me is that Munster for me have been probably the best attacking team over the over the last couple of months. Um, we saw that over the last couple of weeks with the URC. And they normally hit that like second night of attack. So they really catch teams. Bayon were really narrow. They come up really hard. They were leaving dog legs, but for some reason they kind of went front door, you know, front foot carries, which I found strange because actually if they had gone out the back with their second line attack, I think they would have been much more successful and got to an edge and really put Bayon under pressure. But this was one thing I certainly noticed. So I don't know whether Bayon's defence, because it's hard when you're on the telly because it looks like, you've, you know, they've lots of room and lots mm. of time to make passes. But Bayon's rush defence, you know, they kind of, I suppose... Um, they hunted high on the outside. So they really put um, Munster under pressure. But Munster were very, like, look, a lot of injuries, a lot of talk. Carby was out, Omani was out, uh, Klein was out. Um, so they did a lot, a lot of uh, Dave Kilcoyne. So a lot of exceptional players, experienced players missing, but they still really should have got over mm-hmm. the line, especially there's so many chances at the five metre. But it was like the pressure got to them. Like, even I think, um, geez, it was, I think the 60 kind of, Ladder end the 60 odd minute 67 minute I think it was Calvin Nash made a great break and he actually should have probably given off the ball and it would have been yes. an easy try for some reason then uh, and um, Atura came on I thought he was an exceptional impact uh, for Bayon and he just what a tackle like a metre from the line he just thought it was a sure try so just Bayon were exceptional in how they played they really frustrated Munster um, thought Munster probably should have taken more points when Bayon were really under pressure with penalties so yeah, they will be kicking themselves. It's an opportunity missed now, and they really should have beat them at home. Yeah, I think on that that um, with teams like Bayon, when they come, when they, you know, when they travel, the longer they stay in the game, mm. the more they're, the more they're actually going to try and win it. Where if you can keep the scoreboard building and get past two scores or you know fifteen to eighteen, you know, keep the scoreboard ticking over, 
they lose kind of interest yeah. you know where they get a kind of taste for it if if they're within a score and then they get a cheap score and then they're back in and then it's like oh all oh, right okay we're right. we can actually do something here mm-hmm. um and i think that killer instinct probably just just hurt them a bit yeah um again they're mall you know for bayon's try you know that that's a line outside the 22 and they end up scoring you know they break off the mall on the five meter line like that's that's a consistent thing that people have been talking about that hasn't been 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 resolved i do think that also a lot is down to um it's not squad depth because they've they're missing so many people um you know you've a couple under 20s on the bench that come on and play o'connor and these guys like they're going to be brilliant players mm. for munster for you know four five six ten fifteen years maybe but they're coming off the bench and they haven't played for the Irish. Twi- you know they're they've been you know six nations ahead of them yeah. it's very hard in in thoman park in particular on a european night to come out and showcase your ability in in that just that amphitheatre that it is um, so I do think you think a, the injuries impacted the performance a lot yeah I, I do and you know like Lindsay talking about um, you know front football you look at the likes of Omani Kilcoyne you know even a dog bow like who's been so good over the last six eight weeks on those front door options they get you go forward. John They're bringing Klein. line speed. You know, John Klein. They yeah. give you that. They give you that experience. Like there's four starters there that you know don't, um, you know that aren't there in the forward pack. That game is different, I think. And it's no disrespect to anyone that came off. The, it's just the depth is mm-hmm. just not. Uh, was just not there and. Um, the depth is there, but they're just young, you know, like they're probably too young. And this experience is going to stand to all those guys and it probably won't happen again in a year or two years time. Um, it just it's it, it is hard on them. But again, they had the opportunity and it's like a little kind of microcosm of the whole game. Um, you know, Crowley probably rushes himself in the drop goal at the end and they had no chase. So he's set and he's like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to take it now. Go, 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 go. <coughs> Where he actually had time to, because they didn't chase, he had time just to plant, get set and then kick through. it, and, and that was kind of, there just seemed to be this anxiety about let's get it done. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, kill the game and get it over with and then get out, um, which can be hard to, to kind of switch that momentum when the momentum drivers are all kind of going towards Bayon, you know, that mm-hmm. tackle, the, the mall, they're just giving them easy kind of shifts into into the game and the more of those momentum shifts as I said that go with those franchises when they're away from home the more they stay in it the more they're wanted there yeah. and you saw them at the end like that was a win for them in yeah. reality you know like how they were celebrating after um, the club's history to do that in in Thoman Park of all places you know I'd say it was an enjoyable evening in their dressing room <laughs> is are all these inaccuracies down to lack of leadership um, is it the pressure that they were under is it nervousness like Johnny was saying there because as Graham Roundtree said afterwards like that game was teed up for them at home Saturday afternoon in Thoman Park you know Bayon one of the weaker French sides coming to town and they were banking on a home win 
We called them weaker and I know they only qualified because they, you know, they finished eighth in the top 14 last year. I suppose they don't have that pedigree in Europe. No, of course. But I think when you're in European competition, it's like championship football and GAA. It's like, you know, the FA Cup. There's always upsets, you know, and team can just have that one performance. And I think we're... You'd be guilty to think Bayonne were going to be an easy outfit to, to overcome. They come they came on the back of out of nine, I think, you know, nine played, they'd five losses. But they are laden with internationals who came off the back of a World Cup. I thought mm. their Fijians stood up. Um Baje is am I pronounced mm. that right for the winger? And um, I thought he was he was absolutely great when he had ball in hand. And obviously he finished off with that try when they broke off them all. So they had glimpses of players uh Machino, you know, his French mm. experience and I thought he his leadership, I thought, was key. Um, they probably rode their luck an awful lot. I do think Munster should have taken those three points and really put their foot on the neck. We spoke about how Crowley has been so composed and such a leader over the last couple of weeks. But as the game went on, I thought he started to kind of, we saw the inexperience, like his little kick over the top. You never yeah. see Tigburn lose his, his shit, excuse my mm. language, with them. And he, he kind of was like, don't do that. Like a little chip over the top to give Bayon back the... The possession, you're like, why are you doing that? Just keep the ball, trust your process. Mm. And every week we've kind of said they trust in themselves. They've really been on a high. But it was probably the first time they were under pressure to know how to win in really tight games. And we, yeah, probably that inexperience oozed through then because the want is there, the endeavour is there, the energy is there. But sometimes you actually need to slow down. Like when Kendall and come on, his first actually, it was a turnover. For some reason, the pressure of just this inside ball really put again, Munster under pressure. Ty Byrne himself, even five metres from the line, wanted to give a skip pass. The idea was good, but it went out over the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of these indecisive moments where they would have normally executed and then it punishes you in a really tight European game. So it was an exciting game to watch. Mm-hmm. It really was. Uh, I enjoyed it. But um, from a Munster point of view, with their the calibre of player, though inexperienced, they probably should have got over the line. I don't think you can underestimate like when you look at their team, you know, like uh, Shane Daly missing, Frisch missing. You know, like those guys have been cornerstone and they haven't been missing due to international Mm -hmm. duty so they've been there consistently playing week in week out and like towards the end of last year Shane Daly people were talking about is he going to get into the greater World Cup squad because he'd finished the season on such a high you know and then you've guys like Butler and O'Connor who are but like it's nearly their first involvement you know it's, it's down towards the end of you know their early early careers and you know you've got those injuries and the guys they've lost that just is a it's it can be a real tough thing to do to manage those momentum shifts and then when people start getting at each other you know like Tig having a go at, at Crowley that kind of stuff that that can seep out to the, to, the, to the wider group and just create that anxiety so it's it's hard I'm probably not being overly harsh on them I don't think they need to because they've been played they played so well up until this point um, they just yeah it was just I, I think this is a a greater squad and when you're down into academy guys it's it's hard you yeah. know um, they were overpowered though in the pack and yeah. I suppose that maybe is one of the worries as this competition goes on because Bayon have a strong pack, no denying that, but there are teams out there that are even stronger, more physical. Is this going to cause problems for Munster as the competition goes on? Yeah, well, like I think, you know, having, um, you know, Klein and, and, and Pete back will, will obviously help that. Um, but yeah, that is something that, 
that they have to rectify somehow. Um, whether they go and they try and get a transfer in to, to figure that out in the longer term, but they have to develop these guys as well. So a dog bow or hern who for me have uh, or Hearn has been incredible. Um his footballing ability in the wider channels. Um and I didn't think that I think didn't think he was a natural six, but when you see how he played against Glasgow and how he has played uh, how he played and physically was against Munster against Leinster there's people that can stand up but it's it, it's something that that they have to manage but I think it starts with their mouldy and technically they need to be better in that position mm. because that's letting them down and physically people are always going to say well physically they're getting beaten up because they're going back mauled all the time all the time so yeah. it's it is something that they have to rectify Um, I think they have the guys to do it Um, and they play so well ball in hand Um that if they can manage that be it through a mixture of bringing real aggressive line speed that even if they do lose contact they're still winning the gain line that's something that they have to figure out for themselves but it is it it, it all stems for me um, and people have been talking about for weeks from their Maldi Can I ask a question um, were you surprised at the uh, Murray getting in nine instead of Casey? Um, not really. I think the experience there um, and then for me having um, that balance on the bench where Casey can come on, really test the edges um, and bring that pace and, pow- and pace and bring the power around the corner with what Casey does around the breakdown. Um, and then obviously they want to build pressure and build momentum um, and I don't think there's very many people better than Murr at, at, at trying to at understanding those momentum shifts mm. and building that pressure on, putting that trying to put that pressure on teams. So they obviously trying to want it to squeeze Bayon in that selection. But for me, that selection is a horses for courses. How they want to play, yeah. mm-hmm. what team, why did they want to move a team around and more. And as you alluded to already, playing those front door options, they probably they didn't want to move them around as much which probably in hindsight they look back and say they probably should have um, that they wanted to kind of create that kind of pressure cauldron with someone like Murr at nine and that's what he does yeah I was just probably watching the game and you know I suppose for McCarthy's try and uh, Coombs then obviously was it was it came kind of came for me off the back of the quick ball so yeah. when Casey came on I was wondering you know would they have been better off moving that ball considering Bayon were able to get people in the line. They were able mm. to come off the line, mm. really kind of shepherd them in. And any time they actually did go out the, and use that second line of attack, they were much more, I suppose, fruitful. They got much mm. greater return. And Nankavell was starting to get into the game when they did that. So I just thought the pressure was on. So I was kind of wondering, now, it's not to undermine, Murray's an exceptional player. And like yeah. you said, it's horses for courses. But I was wondering, would they have had a different outcome if they maybe started with Casey, really sped that up and then brought on Murray to put them under more pressure? So yeah. I was just kind of saying, I still think they should have got over the line. Mm. You know, I think um, Scott Buckley, I thought, you know, had an exceptional game. We kind of look back. I suppose there's one point I want to make. When I was looking at, it was on RT Live and you kind of, you know, the pre-chat was, you know, oh, the great days of Munster and back to European rugby. And I'm just... I hope that we can just chill the beans for a second for these young men who need that time because actually the likes of a dog bone Buckley came out of the back of when, you know, a lot of the senior lads never made it back from South, um, South Africa. So they got their opportunity and now we're seeing the them really come. And I thought, you know, he had a great game. I thought Butler come on and, you know, he I loved his um kind of, he had no inhibition of that crossfield kick to McCarthy again, mm. which are kind of like, right, maybe a wrong time when you're trying to control the game. So, 
we just need these young men need time you know they need time so for what the is European. a realistic expectation for Munster in Europe this year this is the first time in 12 years that they're playing in, in the Champions Cup as champions but some of their best performances actually in a really stop start first half of the season last year were the European performances so we need to bring them back in but now we need to probably fine tune and you know that's what the review will be so important today is those key moments where they're teaching points it's not to berate anybody you have to make mistakes to learn and I think these will be if this review is used well by Graham yeah. Rountree who I'm very impressed with so far he'd just use that review to, to really hone in on the teaching points for the next round and when the, these young men are in the same position and they don't have the experienced men maybe back around them that they back themselves in just managing the game and that might have been to slow the ball down and just keep possession mm. and give Crowley a little bit more time for that drop goal and it's it's those moments that they will learn from they will learn from and it'll be key to going forward but definitely to knock out stages you know I would hope to definitely for them to reach a quarter final if not a semi final if they can get the experience back yeah. I think they they will struggle against the more physical teams if they don't get the likes of Klein back maybe O'Mahony who can get them that really dirty dogged front football yeah. it's um, an incredibly competitive pool now mm -hmm. after Northampton winning away Exeter winning away and before we finish up on Munster if we touch on next weekend they have a really tough task going away. to Sandy Park um, to face Exeter now we know Munster's form away they they can perform against the odds sometimes mm. when you when you least expect them like they had six away wins in the competition last year up to the final so what can you expect from them this week and what will their main focus be in training i think there'll be a bounce back uh, definitely um again without harping on it there'll be there'll be a lot of mall prep um you know exeter probably have you know they've regrouped within their overall structure um, and now they're seeing fru fruition of that with the younger guys coming through they're a very good side as well and Sandy Park is a real difficult place to go Munster have a bit of history there so they know what it's going to be like um, but it's an opportunity to go and even though the pressure's on them, they have to play a bit more with where the shackles are off and do what they did against Glasgow and, and the tries they scored against um, Leinster where they're spreading the ball. They're going to have to go there and they're going to have to move and they're going to try and um, they're going to have to play. Mm -hmm. And that suits that that suits Munster now. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that could be one of the games of the weekend. Um with how you know Exeter like to play and uh, and what they have and the atmosphere that is that 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 they can create there, it's a great place to play. Um, and I think that's <coughs> that's that's going to be a titanic battle. But one that is actually going to be if it's good weather, going to be brilliant to watch because both teams are going to want to play and and have a dig off each other. Uh, Connacht now we kick things off in Europe on Friday night with Connacht a very disappointing result against Bordeaux it finished 41-5 that was their biggest ever home defeat in Europe and Connacht just looked stunned Lindsay uh, this is a tough one because I, I, Bordeaux are exceptional my god some of their offloading their support running uh, the running lines they were they were always something like it was one of the props gave this little chicken wing offload mm. and he had no right to do that. Whatever about no right to give the offload, whoever was the recipient had no right to catch it. So um, I thought they were absolutely exceptional. When you have Jalabert in your squad and Damien Penno to name but a few, um, I just thought they were different, different gravy. And I felt sorry for Connacht because when it's broken play like that, you know, we did see them against South Africans when they were under pressure and they do struggle in that broken play. Um, 
but yeah Bordeaux were just a different gravy I thought they were exceptional to watch and yeah once they got front football they were able to offload and unfortunately Connacht had no answer and especially mm. to do with Matt Hansen on 22 minutes one yeah. of your more experienced players and someone who probably instills a lot of confidence in still a very young and experienced team especially at this level um, wasn't ideal yeah, Bordeaux were deserved winners and Johnny, they were on top in almost every aspect of the of the play and they cut Connacht open, but Connacht started the game well, but they just couldn't convert the, the points. Yeah, now I think you have to pay respect to, to Bordeaux, what they've done over the last kind of four to five years. They've built it correctly. Yes, they have probably have a budget maybe five, six times what Connacht have in terms of, but they've built it with a really good academy system and then they've, um, you know, signed guys like Penno, um, you know, the Tongan prop, can't pronounce his name, um, you know, he comes in and, mm. and, and like, he's impossible to move off the ball, but they've really, um, they've built an exceptional squad and they're they're contenders. Um, and I think it was really disappointing from a conic perspective that even though they started well that they never really got into full flow and stuff that we've spoken about before and a lot of people are talking about is how well Connacht have played the style that Mark Sexton has brought has brought in it's a young coaching ticket um it just was it wasn't the team that we saw in the URC like what was letting them down in the URC was kind of small moments not taking your kick off for seat basic stuff that was you know um, I think Edinburgh um, scored a try where they were looking at each other for a quick tap Um, you know it was uh, last week with Leicester faffing at the back of the scrum exactly like Tiernan Ireland stops when he thinks it's a knock on there's no whistle yeah it's team lapses of concentration it was lapses of concentration not execution errors their execution was high when they had the ball where Friday night was really poor execution and the last play before half time kind of sums them up where you know they they play for about two minutes they go nowhere and a perfect pass and the ball just drops and then the half ends and there's literally this kind of exhale of everyone in in the crowd it's like Oh right, and that just mm. kind of summed up the yeah. whole evening, um, and you know probably only one player can really stand up, and that was Prendergast. He never ever stopped, and he tried the whole way to the end. And Hanson until he came yeah, up. Yeah. Um, whether it's a combination we were speaking beforehand, whether it's a combination of not winning last week, then losing Mac with twenty minutes, Hanson with the, after twenty two minutes, does that then does everyone just go, oh here we go again? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was just a a real disappointing uh, performance, but one that you have to, when you look at it in the cold light of day, you have to go, well, Bordeaux are really good and Bordeaux mm. are going to go to the, they're going to go deep in this competition. And they came to Galway on a Friday night, yeah. which like Toulouse have been turned over there historically. Mm. It's not a good place and not an enjoyable place on a Friday evening for French teams to go and get a win and but they they arrived they came to do a job and it was clear from the from the from even from the warm-up they were like here and like credit to Noel McNamara obviously an Irish coach young Irish coach um he's back there now and and doing a great job yeah they're Bordeaux they are a team littered with internationals and they could be dark horses in this competition now Lindsay 
Leighton were internationals, but you know, their basics, they were ruthless. Mm. Do you know, they were ruthless, even on their breakaway. Um, I think it was the second row. His his ball presentation he was so long. He's obviously over six foot, but for then Connacht to run behind his feet to get you know back through the gate to try and steal that ball. I think Ralston went to get it, and Luku had it gone. Mm. Do you know they were ruthless in everything they did? As I said their work off the ball, their running lines, their support lines. It was a it was a collective. And then who came off the bench was just like we're just going to turn it up again. Mm. Um, to me, Connacht look at step behind. You know when it really when Bordeaux took off after the first kind of ten minutes. Um, when I think they scored their first try in the eleventh minute. I could mm. be wrong with that. I'm open to correction. But um, from then on, to me, Connacht other than their own mall try, uh, they looked a step behind. Even every tackle was a step behind. The ball was nearly gone. Luke, who 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 sniped at the post like. That's basic stuff at, at any level of rugby when you don't have your pillar there. The gap between the pillar and, and the second, you know, you normally have 10, 20. The, the gap there, he just exploited it. And again, it was just so easy for Bordeaux to get from football. But they were also a very smart team and, and maybe that's where the international experience come in. They were able to pick whatever gap they wanted or whatever flaw in the in the Connacht defence. They were able to just always pick it and get their hands free and offload. And they just looked, they made it look easy. But I do think they were ruthless. I don't think it was... Um, anything necessarily to do with Connacht? I think Bordeaux came here with a with a mission, and they they came away from the sports ground with you know heads head high, and I know they'd be pretty happy chest out. And I do think they will be a dark horse in this competition if they continue to play the way they were. They but this there. isn't good enough by Connacht standards. If they want to be at European standard, this performance is not good enough. Do you think, as Johnny was saying there, that the six day um, defeat? Uh, the, the defeat six days previous against Leinster impacted them or took a lot out of them emotionally and physically the way they lost against Leinster on I think the 80th it's been minute. something for Connacht as a collective over the last number of years and again Johnny you can you can come in on this uh, agree or disagree I think they're a team for me who they're great when they're confident and getting wins and any team will you know you 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 stick with that and you're very confident going into games but they have to be a team if they're going to lose against Leinster they sh- they should be bolstered by the fact that they were by far the better team you know and it was just one slip and a couple of small errors that they should learn from basics that they should have went into this game with a lot of confidence and set their stall out this should be the sports ground now should be a, a fortress it should be a home game and they should have really bounced back and um <sighs> Yeah, Bordeaux were far superior and you'd like to see something more. But they're a team, I think, when they go on losses, they just don't seem to recover. And this has been kind of a consistent with Connacht. They'll put some good wins together, some good performances. And a bit like Ulster last year, it turned their season when they lost against Leinster and they never bounced back. And I think Connacht need to bounce back this week and kind of say, no, shake themselves off. There's some exceptional players, some exceptional com- um, uh, combinations. Pete Wilkins has really... He'd be disappointed. He was really disappointed in that post-match and, and it won't be an easy review for them today other than Prendergast. Everyone will need to look at themselves and be better for this week. Yeah, to ship six tries at home on the opening night is very disappointing. How will Pete Wilkins lift the team now ahead of next weekend their away to Saracens? I think it's all about what's important now. How is he going to fix the problems? You get in, you get your review done and then you move on. Um, and you put in a plan in place where you know they feel they can go get a win away from home, um, but is now with the result and how difficult getting out is he going to rotate and give people opportunity um, ahead of you know and then not take the foot off but give guys opportunity you know and then look at okay well 
two weeks of Christmas they're really important to us because we're you know going to be URC orientated it's going to be interesting to see how mm. how selection goes this week and maybe bringing some other guys back in gives that bit of energy um, because you're giving guys a cart before um, you know provincial derbies which are brilliant around Christmas they make Christmas worthwhile for you when you have to take it easy and if you can play in these two games um, you accept not having a beer on Christmas Day or you know looking after mm. yourself for those days because um, there's an opportunity to get two wins on the board and put them back up in the you know in the URC table so you know a couple of changes bring some new energy back in and then go and play you know again they've played some phenomenal stuff yeah. um and you know mark sexton has a huge there's a lot of credit to to mark on what he's done in a very short uh, period of time um and then you know dy's you know john muldoon you know they have to get things right mm. um and yeah it's going to be a tough week in training but one that they just have to be very clear and clinical on it's about this weekend let's get some energy guys in training and and kick on from there yeah they don't become a bad team overnight and that's probably what they'll be drilling home this week oh back to basics i think yeah. will mm. be the key especially saris will be a tough place to go because they're the only english team as we said who lost over the weekend they're a very proud club um so it'll be probably that that game to watch us it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top obviously we, we're, we're hoping connor can just bounce back but mm -hmm. it will be get your basics right there your platforms and everything else will come off that have confidence going into it and get an away win and finally on to ulster like connacht they looked miles off um at this level this weekend against bath they threw away another halftime lead and fell to a third defeat in a row that game finished 37 14. I felt harsh last week when I was looking back on some of the clips like oh yeah you know Ulster frustrate me but again they kind of backed up why why they frustrate me you know you see the break by Stockdale it goes to uh, Balakoon Balakoon and or Hume Hume to Balakoon and, and they have this intricate play for Dokes um, try the Billy Burns was probably a bit of luck as he tried to kick through and it came back but it got them back in the game and they built on that but then they can't come to the pressure when it's near their try line whether it's discipline, they got a yellow card, it was cynical, it's not rolling away, you're offside. And again, it, it comes back to even their URC where it's been in the, it was, it's been at that tipping point. And for some reason, they cannot manage a game on their five metre. Just get in your defensive line, make your tackles, make good decisions. Don't be indisciplined because you're just buying into the other team. Now, can't take away from Bath. They, I thought they were they're very good and you know we knew there was probably going to be a tough uh, fixture for them to come out on the right side of but yeah again it's just they blow hot and cold so many times in a yeah. match um, like their try before half time you look at that going that's brilliant rugby yeah. like brilliant that's rugby. exceptional yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you go right this is the time you know at half time looking at it and you go right this is the moment now where yeah people are going to go right I'm going to shut everyone up that's been speaking about us and here we go this is it a mm -hmm. uh, win you know uh, another performance another second half performance now away from home and we we get rid of a lot of doubters and then you know to be fair Bath are a really good side again they're another one that have 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 spent well um, and put a lot on the line so if they don't get some kind of traction back from what they've spent you know with getting Russell in um, Van Gran you know at the top of the tree but yeah it was just again it was just you get excited and you're like right here's the moment and then you're just completely deflated mm -hmm. um, now Bath only gave away two penalties in the second half um, 
they have a really powerful pack, scrum, maul, and then you look at the back line that, um, and the experience that that they have, like. You know, Finn Russell has lost lost a final. Ben Spencer's won a couple. Um, uh, won a, a Champions Cup with with Saracen. So they have that experience now that have been there, done that, or been there and not done it. So they know what it's like to lose a final. That's going to help bring them to potentially be in Bath. Have been similar to Ulster, even in my time over there. They've been there's been all this chatter about oh we're going to do something, going to do something. Yeah. And this year, kind of now, with what they've assembled, looks like they actually might, might, might. Um, where Ulster, just again, it's just such a disappointment. What is the main area of concern from an Ulster perspective over the past few weeks? Do you think ill discipline is one we've spoken about a lot on Henderson's the show? Penalty. Eleven mm. penalties they gave away mm. um, at Consistency the weekend again. Consistency of performance. Yeah, um, they've showed they can do it um, in one moment, and then. Two minutes later, they do the complete opposite. That's, I think, the biggest frustration from, I'd say, from a coaching perspective is it's like, well, that's what good looks like. And then 90 seconds later, that's what bad looks like. And there's no... So what, why is this happening? What do you I put that know. down to? It's, it's different. Is it because there's been a lot of chopping and changing in selection? I don't know. I, I, there's something amiss. Well, Dan McFarlane mentioned training, the standard of training yeah. after the defeat against Edinburgh. So there's something not right in camp. But he has to manage that. Do you know, he's a facilitator of his environment mm-hmm. with, with his players. So... You know, this isn't a new thing. This isn't just this profound moment where we're like, oh my God, what's happened to Ulster? This has ever since mm-hmm. the loss to Leinster last year. And it's kind of this burning question. And you're like, someone give me an answer here. Because at this stage, I don't know how they fix it. Like, I couldn't get over Ian Henderson's um, penalty where like Spencer just kicked that over in front of the post. And the referee is talking to him. That ball is not there for you to turn over. And he still went after. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... That's an easy three points. Mm. That like that is mind blowing. And someone of his experience, you'd expect him to lead the way when it comes to decisions like it that. It was really like petulance. Like it's different for a cynical, um, a cynical penalty where you just have no choice and you really have to slow the breakdown. So that's what they got the yellow card mm. for. And you can kind of forgive it. that because yeah. you're like, okay, that's a game management. You're making an effort. But this, there was no reason to go after that ball. Leave the breakdown. Get in the line. You know, if you're not, if you're under pressure at your defensive line, leave the breakdown. It should be the tackler and whoever's nearest Grant. That should be your rule of thumb. But the more people you have on your feet and the more you can get off their feet on the opposition, you're now in the ascendancy. And I just think, I don't know, You're this comes from a good place. (laughs) So many Ulster fans listen to me. It is coming from a good place because you see the exceptional rugby one minute and then you're on the back foot at, at the next. It's just, I just... I've never seen a team to blow so hot and cold, but this is a consistent over the last now 12 months mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, what has to change here, lads? But I know what Dan is saying. He seems a good guy. He seems a good coach. He's ex- exceptional players there. Lots of chopping and changing and we, we spoke with it about that. Was that kind of looking at what your best combinations are going into Europe? Um, but yeah, I just don't know. But something has to change. But to me, it's your coaching staff or your facilitator. And obviously there's responsibility on the player group. Um but it's just something that's inherent there now and it's just not it's not going away. Yeah, Racing come to town now this weekend and they'll be hurting after last weekend's defeat. So how do Ulster get over this now? How do they halt this losing streak? They have to be more disciplined. They have to be a little less, I think as Lindsay said, it's a great word, a little less petulant. I think that's kind of something that is coming out in their performances. Mm. So when they're inaccurate, they 
the, everything lose. It's like one moment and then everything breaks. Um, they have to manage those momentum shifts. They need their leaders to really stand up and take control of those moments. And when they're in a game, stay in a game. So if mm-hmm. that's, you know, after they score, they control, just get the ball past halfway, whether you run, kick it, or you just kick it out, get past, reset, go. I think it's really important that they are very moment orientated. So play, play by play, set by set. Again, very basic and might, might sound like kind of bullshit in a way, but mm. it'll probably, it'll, it, it ha- it'll work because when they build into games and when they have opportunities, it's then not kicking on. Mm. And then it's like when they don't kick on, they feel that frustration and that saps, that gets into the players and then they start making mistakes and they give people easy entrance into their 22. And against sides like Bath, uh, like Racing this weekend, you know, with guys like that and the experience that they have in their their teams, you're gonna, they're going to get it. They're... Mm they're going to convert those opportunities. And that's a big thing for me is being able to to manage that. But they have to have a reaction. There's been no reaction, even though they've been called out in the media by their head coach around training standards. There hasn't been, again, they get to that moment, as you already said, you know, right, here's the reaction. Yeah. But they have to pull through on it now. It's like, um, it's like they get under their own skin, isn't it? Mm. So I'm kind of thinking like, and I was that player that there's such high expectation of myself so I was nearly petulant because I'm like well I haven't reached the standards it's like you kill yourself for a mistake and I'm wondering then is Dan McFarland though he expects these standards of really exceptional players maybe he needs to give them a little bit to TLC and say it's alright to make a mistake reset yourself like Mm. you said play by play what's the next key marker now we have to stay disciplined stay in D will frustrate the other team they will turn over the ball and that's the patient bit you need unfortunately you don't like to play D but when you stay disciplined and, and all stick together because even for them the Ollie Lawrence break off that mm. scrum it was an exceptional play now for Kakasinga to get yeah. in yeah he was brilliant but Hume was kind of just off for some reason he was bit in and there's such a gap then that they exploit it so it's those little moments and then you're like right is there a distrust there like where that because that should be a solid like yeah. they were lined up great you know it, they had it's numbers it's like James he was trying to make a moment there himself yes. by getting out of line and I'm going to stop the ball I'm mm. going to be the person to then create that moment that's going to give us an opportunity where they need to do it together where if, you know they stick together there push them to a touch you know or it's like all their leaders are like right, I'm going to be the one to do it and then you know mm. even Henderson in that moment he's like I'm going to get in the ball but you have to listen to what the referee is saying to you rather yeah. than, right, well, I'm just going to be bloody minded. I'm going to do the ball regardless of, uh, get the ball regardless of what's going on. So I think that's Play the problem. as one cohesive unit. Yeah, and they yeah. just have to kind of manage that because they have the quality to do it. You know, they really do. And like, again, that try before half time, like that could be try of the year, like in terms of how it's they played. It was it? an unbelievable and a brilliant support line by Doak. Um, it was just a really, really good, well-worked team try. And I think it's just their leaders are a bit anxious about, right, let's, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the person to change momentum where they can stick together. And, and I think that's something that that probably just needs to happen a bit more. 
Just little moments. Yeah. So instead of one big moment change in a game, if they can just make little impacts yeah. throughout, consistently throughout the game, I think they'll come on the right side of that. Yeah. And they just just get rid of the petulance, get rid of the impatience, give yourself a little bit of credit, you know, and believe in yourselves collectively, individually, mm. collectively. And I think if they can do that, they can turn a corner because I think at this stage, we all probably need to lay off the frustration because they're probably so frustrated. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. Like they just get under their own skin. You're just like, chill. Yeah. it's still there's 80 minutes there you have so much talent to change this game just little just little baby steps and you'll be fine not these big day. moments yeah. to just win the game in this one big moment mm-hmm. and I think yeah they're probably trying themselves really too hard now to, to get themselves back in a foot but just yeah they just need to enjoy it as well mm. and w- in that moment with that try yeah. they enjoyed it but yeah. then they frustrate themselves again yeah but like you know look they they were away from home against a very good team um, that again are probably going to look to go deep in this competition, but they have an opportunity at home in front of their own hands, pre uh, uh, their own fans pre Christmas against a team that has a lot of European Cup um, kind of history. Um, so like they they're one game away from it clicking and it being a marker moment that will really galvanize, bo- yeah, galvanize and boot them on again into these Christmas. Um, uh, you know Christmas pro- into pros but yeah like so they have a chance every week and they just need one mm. I think one win will will really solidify <coughs> that group and give them an opportunity to kick on well we'll leave it there today my thanks to Johnny and to Lindsay that's all we have time for on today's show we'll be hoping for more of a positive result in round two for the Irish provinces but regardless we'll be back here next week on House of Rugby to look back on the Champions Cup until then from myself and Lindsay and Johnny Slongafold Sports Show presents House of Rugby.